the, this whole pandemic for everyone in the industry and not just the musicians but the crew the behind the scenes people like I and I do feel for that those guys at least I can go and make music people whose whole lives are invested in the live part of of the industry you know there's absolutely no roadmap and it's it's a bit terrifying and it's it's going to be such a kick to the creativity in this industry that has we have such a great music scene in Ireland like and it, it's really going to affect our whole culture of the music scene here and Roshino is the singer-songwriter behind some of the most beautiful sounds and songs to emerge from Ireland in the last 10 years. Whether collaborating with others or with her band, thanks brother, Roshin has a vocal and lyrical talent that is unmistakable. Like so many, though, in the creative industries, the rug was completely pulled from her plans for upcoming tours and festival appearances. And we all just had to get over it get offered up and get used to it get busy with what was available in Roshin's case that is always this deep deep well of inspiration and talent this time she's drawn from that well some of the most beautiful creations she's made to date I just love this new stuff and I'm so happy that we've been able to include some of it in today's show to hear from Roshin go to roshino.com get all the updates on what's coming for her and to hear even more of our conversation including her work with Irish Women in Harmony songwriting, her plans for the next chapter and what can be done about the disparity of male to female artists getting played on the radio in Ireland right now. Make the jump across to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad this week. That's where you can hear all of that in a few clicks you will gain access to the second half of this interview, extended weekly episodes, bonus series, exclusive content, and more from the last eight years. Yep, eight years. Irishman Abroad is eight years old this week. Thanks to everyone who's been in touch, to Tina and Mikey, of course, to Brian Connolly for his production and John Marr for his extra research, to Deck Ryan and all those who have become patrons and members who supported the continued creation of this show over the years. We will keep going. I will keep making you the shows you want to hear with the people you want to hear from. But I just can't do it without that little bit of help from you. So thanks to everyone who has been buying me that pint each month. It really is the lifeblood of the show. And welcome aboard to everyone who's going to make that leap this week to mark our eighth birthday. I will be back at the end of this half to tell you a little more news. But for now, sit back and relax and enjoy the Roshino episode of An Irishman Abroad. That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately... I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, we had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never had- 
has a nation so small inspired so much in another? So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Threego! Roshino, it's fantastic to have you on Irishman Abroad at last. You're now back in Dublin after a long, long period in Kerry where, you know, so many people would have felt like the rug was pulled underneath them the way you had to cancel American tour, festival bookings. All of this stuff is just gone. But what replaces it is, I think, your best stuff ever. Must feel amazing to have emerged from it with something rather than so many of our colleagues who just came out the other side just poorer. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do feel lucky. And as you said, getting down to Dingle, there, there's really no other place like it. And uh, for a lot of people, I think it's particularly the third lockdown was the toughest. Mm. But for me, I the second we knew... Look, it was, I think we got down to Dingle for Stevens's day and we had planned to come home New Year's Day or the 2nd of January and everything was locked down and we were, there's no point, you know, and I sort of live in a, have a family full of musicians. So we all ended up staying down there with no work to come home to and it was the best decision we made. We we just went on walks, we we cooked, we we wrote music and it was a bit of a dream, to be honest. It was, you know, it's so isolated down there anyway. You hardly notice you're in lockdown down there in the winter time, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's not a huge really difference to how it looks <laughs> no. uh, the other it's times really that you've been down there. But did you get this sense? And I, sir, I still feel this, that it's it, you can't complain. You're just not allowed, even though the entertainment business and the hospitality people are literally the last ones to come back. Yeah. That because there's so many people who've lost people, they've they've been on the front line trying to stop people from losing their lives or protecting people that it, it's you nearly don't feel entitled to say I had it tough, too. Yeah, a, li- a little bit. Yeah. And and to be fair as well, uh, there was, I found a weird solace in the fact that everyone was in the same boat, especially in the music industry. It was like for a moment we're given the okay to not be on the rat race, you know, mm. and you're not worrying about what gigs you're getting and who oh, they got, they got that book and how do I get that? You know, you're not, you're mm. just taking a break for a minute and, and for everyone to be in the same boat, it was sort of comforting, you know, and I felt like that for a long time. And to be honest, it's, it's only now that I've, I've really been like, Oh God, you know, it's just, <laughs> I'm booking gigs again and they're getting rescheduled again. And, you know, thinking about back to, you know, March 2020, did I ever think that I would be here in the summer of 2021? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I to still be here, it, it's getting, I think it gets a little bit harder to keep that sort of optimism and aren't we so lucky type of optimism when the industry is still getting so decimated week after week um, yeah, yeah, you know and you're, try- you're trying to keep positive and you're trying to you know I've got all these other plans and you make other plans but there's nothing like live music you know yeah and, and you've been really like open it. about that 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 for you you're not one of those people that's like oh stick me in a studio any day <laughs> you've always been yeah. really clear that it's in person live that's where you're at your best. And part of that, Roisin, is 
how present you are when you perform that like there is no sense that you're trying to replicate a studio you're trying to give people in that room the only show they'll ever see like that ever again because it'll never be repeated now i i and i'm i do a degree i'm guessing at that i'm just taking that from what i've seen but yeah. the question is how, with that distance from thanks brother from the stuff that was planned, is there at all a wrench to go, just as you just said now, what was I thinking back then? Am I still connected to that work? And should those bookings come back? Is it just completely new? Does it feel like another part of me now that the world has changed? I still, I think it's still the same part of me, definitely. And I, like, as you said there, like for me, getting up on stage it doesn't compare to recording I I my passion is singing for people that is Hmm. that that's what gets my heart going that's why I do what I do is because I want to get on stage and I want to sing for people and there is no replication of that in in the vocal booth you know for me (laughs) but um Hmm. but uh, as you're saying you know yeah is it going to be different but at the same time I've I felt for me as you're saying there I had all these plans of thanks brother the band I, I was in and that was all stum and if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for the pandemic i probably wouldn't have reassessed where i was going in my career and it was definitely the pandemic that made me go back to writing solo and realizing that there was there was more to do as roshino and yeah. i wrote these songs that weren't thanks for their songs they were very much me and um yeah i i i really feel that the pandemic has has sort of led me to the to this point and it has, has also made me uh, enjoy being in the studio more because it's it's not this thing that I have to do in order to get up on stage it was oh no this is me I'm really gonna enjoy the, this this time because I don't have the stage and I'm not going to take for granted going into studio and and getting these songs great because it's the only outlet I have at the moment and it made me appreciate it more and gotcha. want to do it more so you know there's always a silver lining you know and you sort of have to find find those in order to keep stay sane you know <laughs> yeah yeah well so that reassessment like is that is that what you were talking about when you say the reassessment of where i was going and what i was doing loads of people can identify with that it, you don't even need to be in music to yeah feel that like so many people who work in offices have been like was i really doing that was I missing out on this much time with my family when you say reassess in terms of where you were going what what kind of reassessment went on and was it simply the space and time to think about what the next step would be that allowed you to do it yeah you know it was a bit of both it was like all the plans were gone out the window and then I started writing the songs that I I didn't feel pressure to write. You know, I wasn't trying to hit a a deadline that I needed a new song for or write the next EP. The songs just sort of poured out of me in a very natural way, in a very, you know, unforced way. And it just, it felt like it was me. And these were songs that I needed to sing. I I met a good friend of mine, Adele Nolan, who was working in radio at the time. And I was sort of going to her for advice because I was I felt a bit lost at, at the start of the first pandemic. And meeting her, she sort of <laughs> reminded me that like 
I have this the, this huge fan base of people who want to hear me sing and want to hear what I have to say in songs. And sometimes you just need that sort of steerage towards towards where you really need to go and it was it was great to have those chats with her she's actually ended up being my manager now and and we've sort of started this new path together and I suppose it was just having that confidence in myself to go back to my solo career you know with Thanks Brother we had only really just started out in a way but John who's in the band with me as well had had started working as a producer with other acts and as a videographer on on massive tv shows here and and so it, the pandemic sort of both gave us opportunities to look at, at different paths. And yeah, sometimes you just, it, something like that, like a crisis can just point you in a new direction that ends up working. So, <laughs> so who is it? Who is Adele? Because obviously she's like been instrumental in this. Tell me about yeah, her. Yeah, she has. How do you know her? She has. Adele, I know for years, she was uh, one of the heads of, of Today FM. And I've known her through the years going into today fm and uh, she was the head producer i think and she uh she was great and i ended up going to dubai with her right at the start of the pandemic she was over there working and i was doing gigs with a load of irish people from mcgettigan's and we had a great we had a great weekend right before like right as the as things were kicking off it was actually a bit mad <laughs> to mm. be over there everything at home was getting locked down and we were over doing a gig in dubai when where they were sort of in denial over there but um, she's just one of these people who's like like manifest your journey manifest where you want to be manifest like the path you want to take and it will happen type of people you know yeah and I I suppose I I had never really considered my career that way like to sort of create where you want to go and 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 make it happen in your head before you even get there (laughs) and so I've become this this type of person now and it's funny a lot of the a lot of the things that we set out in the beginning on our like I don't know what you would call it, a mood board or something. These things that we wanted to happen have happened already. And sometimes you you just need that sort of positive energy. And she was she was really that for me at a time when I was very unsure of where where things would go. And we had talked, we'd meet and talk about things for for weeks until I finally asked, would she be my manager? You know, for me, a manager you could go and, and get some massive manager from who who has a load of acts that you don't really know that well, but but has all the connections. But for me, I, I really wanted someone who I connected with and who was my friend. I think that's so important for a manager. Like for me as a solo act, particularly a manager is someone who is going to be with you through everything for the mm. next, the next stage, the next stages of your career. And, and it was a no-brainer for me, and she wanted to get into it. And she, working in radio, obviously knows a lot about it through the years. And uh, yeah, she's she's just been absolutely brilliant to have on on my side, like you know, in my corner. I've just realised that this is the same Adele Nolan from the Ray Foley show. Yes, but it I is. Do, yeah. I do know this woman, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can. T- I didn't know that. You know, she was of this mindset, this manifesting things and kind of willing it into existence and focusing your mind where you want to be and seeing it, actually picturing it. Now, I know this is a, you know, a really maligned thing of it's not necessarily the secret book, but I guess, you know, it's this idea that stop thinking about what you don't want (laughs) 
And yeah. like it sounds so, so silly to have to say it, but when we think about what we're actually after, yeah. <laughs> more than likely the that's that's more than likely the outcome or something close to it is what's yeah. going to come. Whereas if we're mm -hmm. spread out across in our minds as to, well, I'd hate if this happened and I'd hate if that yeah. happened. It's yeah. such a waste of energy. Now, totally. I heard you talk. I can't remember where the video was, but I think it might have been a video for Tatler magazine. Oh, yeah. You'll know the piece I'm talking about. The separating yourself do, yeah. from negative people and surrounding yourself with yeah. the people that believe in you. Adele's obviously part of that. Yeah. Now, Big time. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because obviously that hints that there was a time when you did have these people around you who you were like, not sure if these people are actually on board. Yeah, I think I think anyone can say that in their life, no, no matter what their career is or or what they're doing, whether it's personal life or their career. Those those type of people, I think, will come along in anyone's life. And and I I suppose I I only realised that they were those type of people by the time they had left, you know, or mm. by the time I I had I had stopped being around them. And I think I think. Growing up, particularly, uh, well, when I was doing my first album, I, I was very um, impressionable and I was very, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And, and looking back at it now, like, I, I, you know, I really, I've changed a lot and I feel like I'm, I'm in the, the best place I've ever been. And it, it came, it took a while for me to get that confidence. And it, it was definitely, part of it was definitely, you know, surrounding yourself with people who want you to succeed, who believe in your talent, who who think you're great. I know that's sort of obvious. <laughs> it sounds funny, but, but it, it, it's it, not surrounding yourself with sycophants. It's just surrounding people that want the best for you. Yeah. And I think because I was such a sponge to the people around me, you know, if you if I ever got a vibe that maybe I wasn't good enough, I would believe it, you know, mm. you know, and it took it took me a while to get out of that mindset that it's not other people's opinions that that matter it's your own opinion of yourself that really matters and and i still i still try and tell myself that to this day because i do you know it's especially in an industry where you're laying your heart out on the line you're putting your talent out there for people to clap or not clap at you know you're really putting your your whole person out there to be you know told if whether it's good or not so it's a very hard industry to get to not think oh well actually it matters what other people say or not you know what I mean so but it's so to have that confidence in myself and to do it anyway you know and not worry about someone doesn't have my back or someone doesn't really want me to succeed but to know that I wanted enough to to keep going for it and and to you know to be doing it for for as long as I can basically because I love it so much you know I don't not relate to this. I, in fact, 100%, I've struggled with this myself for an awful long time that you were told for ages that people in the entertainment industry, oh, geez, you'd have to have a very thick skin to be in that business. But there are people in it who don't have a thick skin. I include yeah. myself as one of them. <laughs> yeah. And people think because you stand up there, 
that automatically you must you again another Irish phrase you must think you're great (laughs) (laughs) I know I love it (laughs) but that but that's the assumption whereas a lot of people myself included don't really have a super high opinion of themselves yeah but are going for it and taking major knocks and I don't know why, I don't know where it comes from, but definitely I've had that up and down seesaw journey of really thinking, oh, I'm really doing what I want to do here. And then that sensation of what what was this? What was this for? What was this? Where did this begin? And how, how has it become disconnected from what the plan was in the beginning? In the beginning, you have said that you got into your head about not being a songwriter when clearly mm. you are when obviously you're a singer and a songwriter yeah. what got in your head about that oh you know it's it's hard to put a finger on and i think a part of me even still has it to this day that i that i'm a bit a bit of imposter syndrome when it comes mm. to songwriting and it's funny because I don't have it for singing at all. I'm very confident in my voice and that I have a good voice and I can sing. And that is something I'm proud of. And I'm not, you know, you know, you get that Irish thing of, as you said, who do you think you are? Mm. You know, but I don't have that with singing. You know, I, I would <laughs> I'd go up against anyone with my voice. But when it comes to my songwriting, I don't know whether it came from this I think at at a younger age because I had this natural gift at singing and it was it was very obvious because I would sing with my family and I would sing at parties and I could see people's reaction to it from a young age that when I went to put my hand to songwriting and you know when I was probably like 12 or something and I didn't straight away come out with something that was amazing I think I I you know I I went to myself a bit, oh, well, you can't do that, you know, so just, just stick to the singing. That's what you're good at. And I think I put songwriting on a back burner for so long because I was afraid I would fail at it, you know, and, and I think I did that for a long time and I really depended on other people to write songs with me. And it's only been even, you know, I still, I still have it a little bit, but it's only been really since the pandemic that I've been like, I think these are the best songs I've ever written, you know, and I've been writing songs for what, 10 years, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's, I feel like now I'm coming into my prime of my songwriting and I I just want to do it more and more and more. I I don't know why it's taken me that long. I, I, I don't, I am very susceptible to other people's opinions. And when I couldn't see that like immediate, I'm deadly at songwriting. I just wanted to, to forget about it. You know, I just sure. want to be great at it straight away. And that's not something that would often happen with songwriting. You really have to work at that. You know, mm. and it's, it's, but, but it's we're, uh, we're led to believe that you, you either have it or you don't, you know, that yeah. kind of chat. And, yeah. and it's so obvious that, yes, there are Ray Charles and people like that who just it's flowing through their veins. But that's still not mm-hmm. to say that it doesn't occur without practice. Uh, totally. And I, I think we can talk our children and young people out of this, that, you, you know, there's a it's kind of part of Irish, Irish myths and legends to a degree. Your man could sing the first yeah. time he opened his mouth. And maybe that yeah. was, that partially got in your way that you thought, well, 
this is a gift. The voice is a gift. The other thing should be a gift too. It's a gift I mm-hmm. don't have. It could exactly. part of it have been, Roisin, that you were so overwhelmed by the music that you were into and the songs that were moving you emotionally that you had placed songwriters on a pedestal way too high. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was definitely, yeah, something that I had to really work at, you know, and and maybe that's something that, as you say, in Ireland as well, that we forget to, to tell kids, no, if you want to be good at this, you have to be really work at it every day if you want if you want this really bad. And I suppose because as I said, because singing came so naturally, I didn't I didn't have to work so hard at that that I thought, oh, well, it, it must not just be for me. Mm-hmm. So I sort of I think I think it just it, it gave it gave me in my musical trajectory. It was almost like a, a late start in the songwriting then. And I eventually got into it. And as I said, like, I feel like I'm in my stride now. I've, I've come <laughs> eventually come to terms with it. And it's and it's just come at this perfect time when I'm coming back into doing my solo stuff. And yeah, it's for the fir- first time I'm really like, I can't wait to write. Whereas before it was something I would be nervous about. Like, oh, no, I need to I need to write more stuff. And it was a not that it was a chore, but it was something that would be play on my mind. Like, what if it's not good? You know what I mean? And but now it's like, oh, just get it all out. If there's going to be good ones that aren't good, I would say any songwriter will tell you that they're not all hits, you know. <laughs> Um, but you have to, you know, you have to wade through some stuff before you find the gems. And I'm just enjoying doing that at the moment for the first time, maybe in my life. Like, you know, so, yeah, finally got there. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by the process. Right. And I don't know anyone who isn't really when you think about this weird, magical thing, which is the creation of songs and music and pop specifically pop because you know the the new stuff that you are doing right now is much more leaning towards dance and pop than ever before you must equally be as obsessed with how you know songs like we built this city on rock and roll for example <laughs> i i love that song so much and i always say it to my son and my wife all the time that i was like someone sat down and wrote that like somebody put a pen on a page and went we built this city on rock and roll and it that still blows my mind but then I think well how do you write a joke the joke comes about because you spot something and you go yeah there's something in that is it a case for you with your stuff that a bit like the jokes that a line a, a, a thought on one of these walks around Dingle just arrives from the sky and you go, yeah, something there. Okay, we'll jot that down and we'll we'll have a look at that later. Or or is there some other way that this happens? Yeah, sometimes it is like that. Sometimes it's like you get an idea of one lyric that you could just run with then and be like, that concept would be great. And then you could build a whole song around a lyric. Other times... I find sometimes if I'm writing and a melody comes to me that like that is a beautiful little melody and you have these words that you they're almost like fake words that you're just mm. using to sing a melody in and yeah, little placeholders exactly and then you uh, sometimes what I do is I I make up a sentence that fits this beautiful melody line and then you could write a whole song about that and you know just from from something that really 
moved you in the moment with a melody and a lyric that maybe sometimes at the time it doesn't make huge sense, but then you put into it everything that's going on in your life at the moment. And for me, and I do this with all my songs, there has to be a real emotion in it. You know, I I would never sit down and say, I'm going to write a song about this, about this topic. Mm. I have to be sitting down and be feeling either heartbroken or hopeful or actually have put in a real emotion in it. For me, I, I, I can't fake that. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like if, if I fake it, people, people will see that. And I, I, the song won't, won't cut as hard with people if, if you're not cut when you're, when you're writing it, you know. Mm. And, which, which must okay. be exhausting. It is, but it's also like going to therapy as well. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I sit down at the piano and I don't know what I'm going to write and I write two lines and all of a sudden I'm in tears and I'm like, oh, that's how I felt, <laughs> you know. It's like, oh, I, I, okay, I, I see I see why I've, I've been like this for so long. This is how I feel. And sometimes it's like it's like saying it's like saying your emotions out loud. You know, you don't really do that. You know, you don't mm. just sit on your own and, and start talking to yourself about how you're feeling. And that's what songwriting is for me. And it's it's extremely cathartic and especially writing Heart and Bones, that song just sort of poured poured out of me one night down in Dingle and in the space of about an hour I had the first verse and chorus. And I think you can hear that in the song. It's almost like a conversation with myself. And I think those songs that are simple, you know, I'm not trying to talk in metaphors. I'm just trying to get out this emotion. And and those are the songs that sort of relate to people the most. Well, let's hear a little bit of it. This is Heart and Bones, Roshino. you know what what a what a fun chat and there's more of course this is only the first half that you're getting here for free on itunes soundcloud and whatever platform you're listening to this on there's so much more to this chat the juicy stuff is always in the second half everyone says it it's like we've loosened up in the first that we get we get the wheels rolling you really need the second half of this conversation as i said we cover an awful lot more patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad it really is a matter of a couple of clicks and putting an app on your phone and then they're all just there for you to listen to whenever you want the extended cuts each week the full archive from the last eight years i can't even believe it every time i say eight years out loud it's all there for you a couple of clicks price of a pint each month and i promise you you won't regret it patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad come on over this is the week to do it. Thanks to Brian Connolly, John Marr, Tina and Mikey 
course Roshi know and thanks in advance to everyone who came out this Sunday for the first ever Irishman running abroad meet up run with Sonia O'Sullivan in Sean Moore Park on Sunday I assume it was a success and that we didn't get rained on but even if it, it didn't it was just a so amazing to see such a response to this uh, series and that too will continue with your help through the coming year and beyond Uh, but for now lads have a great week and i guess i'll see you over on patreon for the second half of the show